0: They say the two most important days in your life are the day you are born and the day you find out why. Well, you, you and I, we were meant to be free. And now God invites you to a soul-shaking, chain-breaking, life-giving adventure with your closest friends. We will share our stories of struggle and bravely explore the uncharted places of our soul. We will do this together and promise one another we won't stop until we are free. Liberation awaits. Today, freedom calls out your name. This is the way, the new way to be free. Happy fall, y'all. Glad to see you guys. Uh, I'm Pastor Tim. If we haven't met, and we do need to give a huge welcome to all of our campuses, but especially Liquid Garwood. Would you welcome you guys? We're glad you're part of our church family. Excited to have you join us. For this big fall series, Freeway, uh, I am really excited about this series. I do think that God's going to do something pretty special in the life of our entire church as we kind of go on this journey over the next couple months. But here's what's happening. For six weeks, we are going to be syncing up the Sunday sermons with our small groups that meet during the week. And the whole series is built around this phenomenal small group resource called Freeway, a not-so-perfect Guide to Freedom. Maybe you can relate to that. Not-so-perfect life. your not not-so-perfect family. And it's really this kind of cool custom workbook based on six sequential steps. So if you met with your uh, life group this past week, or even if you've just thumbed through the, the pages, you'll see there are these six steps that we're going to follow in the week ahead. Step one is called awareness. That's what we're going to talk about today. Then step two is discovery we're going to explore our own stories of struggle share those with our our group and then the third step is ownership which is all about kind of taking responsibility for our own lives and decisions and then step four is right at the center of the gospel and that is living in God's forgiveness learning to kind of let go of those who have hurt us and live in freedom step five is acceptance that is embracing your true identity as God's beloved son or daughter and then step six freedom that's the ultimate goal realizing any pain that you've had in life really actually has a purpose, and that God has rescued you to be a source of rescue and freedom in the lives of other people who are making their way to God. So before we dive in today, I just want to challenge you in a couple ways. The first is this. If you haven't signed up for a a freeway group, it is not too late. Uh, We have over 2,400 adults who have joined a small group and are participating all over New Jersey. So Colleen and I, we actually hosted a small group of millennials. We met for the first time on Tuesday. Uh, My wife is actually doing one for moms on Wednesday mornings. Uh, My daughter, she meets with her high school life group on, on Sunday nights. At Liquid, we're like, any age and stage, we really believe spiritual growth happens best in the context of community. Now, if you did miss signing up for a small group, it is not too late. So at every location, we're offering what's being called Campus Table groups, and that's just a small group that's going to meet every week at your campus. in other words, it's not in a home, but we have a leader in place at your campus, so you're like i couldn't get into one or i, I didn't have the right date or time. We take care of all the logistics, but you do need to go online to liquidchurch.com uh, slash freeway and that's where you can register to see Campus Table Group. We just want everybody to have the last opportunity to kind of jump on board and come along for the ride. But the second thing I want to encourage you this morning is to make a commitment. To really be here over the next six Sundays. You know, say, you know what? Just for the next six weeks, I'm going to do everything I can, make a priority to actually show up at church at one of our campuses. You know why? Now understand, because you're going to get a gold star from Jesus. No, that's not why. (laughs) We don't take attendance. We're like not legalistic about this stuff. And I get it. We all have busy calendars this fall. Anybody busy, right? I'm busy. But I want to challenge you to make being uh, present here at church a priority for the next six weeks. Here's why. Most of the time, our sermon series at Liquid, they're around a particular theme, but the weeks don't like follow in necessarily in any particular order. But Freeway, this series, is designed to be a process, meaning each step builds sequentially on the next step. And so for you to really get the benefit of all that God has for you, you kind of need to be here to hear the message so that then you have the same background going into your small group conversations. I really think God's going to teach us uh, about the free way to live in Christ in a lot of different areas. And I know every person here, right, we want to be free. But the truth is this, we ain't all free, right? Let me show you a funny photo kind of trending on the internet right now. Uh, If you're listening online, I'm showing a picture of a horse tied to a chair. and The horse is just standing there, you know, not moving. He's waiting for the owner to return. And then you realize it's a plastic lawn chair, right? Weighs about, you know, three pounds. And this horse is actually a stallion. So he weighs, he's pushing like 1,000 pounds, right? So if this horse wanted to, he could be free like that, right? He could just actually just walk away, Uh, gallop down the street, smash the uh, chair to smithereens, but he can't. Why? Because he's been conditioned. In other words, in his head, he's thinking, oh, whenever my reins are tied to something, I'm powerless. I'm not free. And it's funny, right? Because the picture makes an important point. The point is this. Sometimes the things holding us back are not out there, they're in here. In other words, we all have our God-given potential to be free. But sometimes the obstacle that keeps us from true freedom isn't out there, but it's actually in here. We become conditioned to a certain way of thinking and living, and we just assume, well, this is just the way that it is. You know, there are things that hold me back. There are limits on my life. You know, stupid chair. (laughs) I'll never be free, right? You ever feel like that? Like you were born to be free, and you know you have the potential to live on God's freeway, but something's in the way of holding you back, and you can't move past it. Well, last Sunday, we started our journey to God's freeway by looking at the story of the prodigal son who tried so hard to be free, right? He he lived hard. He partied hard. He went on spending sprees, but he was not free. That young man was in bondage, and we learned last week that just like that young man, we have a heavenly father who loves us, Even when we make unwise choices, a heavenly father who loves you in the middle of your mess, he doesn't wait for you to clean up your act. He says, if you stop running, I'll run to you. And this is a father who wants you to come home, not because you're good, but because he's a perfect father. The only perfect father you will ever know in this life. And that is so powerful. Those are like the four foundational truths about who God is that set the stage for our journey to freedom. Because we're able to say, you know, with a God like that, I don't have anything to be afraid of. There's nothing to fear. You can actually have confidence and peace because God's love is guaranteed. It's not based on your effort. You don't have to earn it. And with a father like that, you just realize, oh my goodness, I can be honest about my limitations and draw on Christ's strength. Now, what I want to do here is zero in today, really on just a, a single verse In Luke 15, he kind of amplify it for you with some other biblical texts. Because if you remember, that snot-nosed son, right? He's kind of a punk. He takes the, the family fortune. He squanders it. And he's running as fast and far as he can from dad. And then after all the parties, the prostitutes, the drugs, the alcohol, the kid ends up broke. He's homeless. He's sitting in a pig pen, right? And it's at that moment when he comes to rest, he stops moving. He slows down. And he's sitting in the pig pen. And some of you, you're like, that's my life. <laughs> I have young kids. I sit in the pig pen. That's the moment. He has this aha moment. Here's what it says in Luke 15. It says, when he came to his what? Senses. In other words, the light bulb went on for him in some sort of way. And this is a moment of awareness. And you see, you'll never experience God's free way of living until you come to this kind of moment of brokenness, of self-awareness, where you take a good long look in the mirror like this young man did and said, look look, look at my life. My life is a mess. I'm a mess. And he sees like for the first time this empty, hollow shell of a man that he's becoming. Do you like who you're becoming? In that moment, he comes to his senses and he becomes aware. That's step one on God's freeway, awareness. Everyone turn to your neighbor and say, awareness, awareness. Now, now look at them, and, and you're like, I think I'm more aware than them. Look at somebody in your row, who just three seconds to judge. Who are you more aware of, you know, in your row? How aware are you? Let's just put it that way, right? Are you aware of what's going on around you, how others experience you? Are you aware in your relationships and the other people in your life? Now, before you answer that question, I want to do a little test with you. I'm going to give you an awareness test, Okay. I'm going to show you a little video of two basketball teams. This is just going to take 10 seconds, all right? There's one team dressed in white. The other is dressed in black. Throw them up on a screen here because I want you to see this. The team in white is going to pass around a basketball. I want you to count how many passes the white team makes passing the ball to each other. Now, if you've taken this test before, don't tell the person next to you. Just watch the video and see if you are aware. Can you count how many passes the white team makes with the ball? Okay, go ahead. Take a look. This is an awareness test. How many passes does the team in white make? Go! All right? Did you catch it? Okay, just how many passes the team in white make? Just yell out the answer. What you got? 12, 13, 13, 14, it's okay, any, uh, or the correct answer is 13, okay, 13, no, wait, but before you give yourselves a hand, hold on there, hold on, you're like, oh, I'm aware, me, <laughs> sermon, whatever. Those of you who counted 13, did you see the moonwalking bear? What? In other words, while you were counting, a bear, a guy in a bear suit just moonwalked through the video. Did you see it? Were you aware? Let me rewind it. Take another look. Go! Watch closely. Here he comes. He's breakdancing, he's shuffling, he's moonwalking, and he's out. Sometimes easy to miss the stuff you're not looking for, right? Maybe we're not as aware as we think we are. See, guys, the first step on God's freeway uh, is really the most difficult, and it is awareness. It's self-awareness. Some of us are kind of walking through life, and we don't even realize there's a giant bear kind of moonwalking his way through our, our lives. We don't even see it, because by definition, everybody thinks self-awareness is someone else's problem, right? Every major study shows ever, the average human being has five blind spots, and if you're like, well, I'm not one of them, you prove the point, Right? <laughs> In fact, some of, you, some of you are thinking right now, you're like, you know what? I am so glad so-and-so is here today because they need to hear the sermon, right? Or I'm thinking of five people that I'm going to share this message with, you know? I'm not talking to them. I'm talking to you, okay? Every one of us, including me, has blind spots. Some of us have spiritual blind spots, right? Things we don't see in our relationship with God. Some of us have emotional Blind spots, ways of reacting when we feel hurt or upset. Some of us, you know, we, we get angry or we overeat or, or drink just to kind of numb out, you know, from the pain. Um, some of us have relational blind spots. We kind of sabotage trust in our relationships. Or maybe you have a financial blind spot, right? You kind of overspend at the ball, and I, why do I always do this? Or you make risky bets on fantasy football. Like why do I, you know, I'm very conservative at work, but then I do this thing, you know? Or parenting blind spots, you know, we overschedule our kids or we don't set enough boundaries that they need. We all have blind spots and there are areas in your life and in my life that we just can't see. For instance, some some of us dominate every conversation that you have and you don't even realize it. Other people talk about it behind your back, but you're like not aware of it, right? Others of us have these irritating mannerisms that kind of drive people crazy. Um, there, there are some of you who are like, you know, name droppers, right? And you're always kind of like telling people who you know. And everybody else is kind of like, they don't say it, They're just like, why does he do that all the time? I mean, you know, we, like, okay, he's connected. He's important, I guess. Some of us violate personal space. Hi, brother! You know, kind of thing. Some of us consistently try to make ourselves sound smart or funny because we have like insecurities deep down that we're trying to mask. Some of us post crazy stuff on Facebook that we think sounds super clever, okay? But it makes others kind of cringe like, oh gosh. We don't see it, but everybody else does. In other words, the truth about you and me, this is scary to admit, is that we don't know the full truth about ourselves. And what's worse, we don't know the full truth about God. But Jesus says, you will know the truth and the truth will set you, what's the word? free. Guys, whenever you talk to somebody who has found the free way to live without the guilt, judgment, regret, and shame, whenever you talk to somebody who's like made radical changes in their life to be free from their past or God's helping them deal with pressures very gracefully in the present, almost always, whenever I talk to people like that, they can point to this moment in their life where they can very vividly recall. They say, there's just this moment like I I just, I came to my senses and I saw the truth of who I really was. I realized what I was doing wasn't working anymore. And they'll typically tell you a specific memory, or there's a pain, or there's a frustration, or fear, a grief, or a loss, that drove them to this defining moment where they started reflecting on their life in a new way, and they become aware. And with fresh self-awareness, they said, you know what? I don't want to keep living like this. I don't want my, my, my future to be like my past. And they come to their senses, and that's the moment they meet God at a heart level. I want you to think about this when did the prodigal son come to his senses? It's not while he's partying, it's not while he's living life in the fast lane, it's actually when he slows down and sits in the pig pen. And life is went from you know Mach 3 down to like 18 miles an hour, <laughs> and all of a sudden God begins speaking to him and he becomes aware. He says, I came to my senses awareness guys is step one to freedom in christ and i want to share with you a few big ideas about awareness to prepare you for your group this week so if you're taking notes if you want to open up your notes there the first big idea is this the speed of life often keeps us from hearing the voice of god there's something about speed that we all like right your parents you take your kid to the playground they go on the merry-go-round what do they say right faster daddy faster right and before long, they're 16 years old, they're behind the wheel of the car, and they kind of want to, you know, pedal to the metal, go faster. You guys remember the movie Top Gun with Tom Cruise, right? Goose says to Maverick, I feel the need for speed. And that's how most of us live our lives in New Jersey. Like right now, if I told you, hey, while you're in the service today, we're putting a GoPro on your car for tomorrow morning, and we're going to watch you. What happens? I've seen some of you, Right. You're, the alarm goes off. You're peeling out a driveway like 70 miles an hour in reverse. You're putting on makeup while you're driving, eating your egg McMuffin, guzzling Starbucks, taking phone calls, you know, mouth full, hands free, right? No one calls this insane. We call it multitasking, right? But the truth is, a busy life doesn't always mean a better life. Because the speed of life often keeps us from hearing the voice of God clearly. I mean, sometimes faster is better, right? Like, if you're giving birth, right? <laughs> like, get the baby out as quickly as you can, right? But let me ask you this. What enduring moment in your life has ever occurred when you were in a hurry? I mean, be honest, right? Married couples, have you ever, like, built, like, deep levels of, like, marital intimacy and connection when you were in a hurry? Uh, parents, have you, have you been able to, like, recognize what is going on under the hood in the heart and soul of your son and or teenage daughter when you're in a hurry? <laughs> Single folks, have you built close, life-giving friendships in a small group when you're in a hurry? See, in our culture, you know what the greatest enemy to self-awareness is? It's not self-delusion. It's not pride. I would say the greatest enemy of self-awareness is hurry. In his book, The Life You Always Wanted, John Ortberg writes this. He says, the truth is, as much as we complain about it, we're drawn to hurry. It makes us feel important. It keeps the adrenaline pumping. It means we don't have to look too closely at the heart or life. It keeps us from feeling our loneliness. I mean, if you're a follower of Jesus and you wanna grow, you wanna live the spirit-filled, spirit-led life, do you really think you're gonna experience the deep, convicting work of God's spirit in a hurry? Sometimes we stay in a hurry, Ortberg says, to prevent us from having to look really too closely at the state of our soul. So here's a question. You're going to answer this this week in your, your freeway workbook. It's on page 60. It says, how fast is your life right now? And it says, check all those that apply. It says resting, limping, walking, running, racing, supersonic. Now, I filled it out this week. I checked racing. And it says underneath, how long has it been this way? And I'm like, every fall, it's like this, OK? I kind of go at 75 miles an hour uh, and hope I don't get pulled over. Now, the interesting thing, it's gonna ask you to reflect. Explain why you checked that box. So I just wrote this. I, I kinda like, you know, again, just reflection. I said, I estimate I wear five hats every day, every week. I just started counting them. Husband to Colleen, father to Chase and Dell, son to God, pastor of Liquid, preacher on Sundays, decision maker in meetings, fundraiser in chief, you know, creative visionary. And then I wrote, I love all these roles. Well, maybe not the decision making and fundraising, but putting on all of these hats can be very exhausting. And then it says, if you, if you don't like how fast you're going, can you change it? Yes, no. I checked. Actually, I made my own box. I wrote, not at this moment. <laughs> and then I wrote, and honestly, I'm not sure I want to. I actually love all that I do, and I'm a little worried I might be addicted to adrenaline. Ooh, that's an honest answer right there. That is a thread I know God wants to pull in my life. Because honestly, I have always struggled with balance in my life. My family's paid a price for that. And it's an area that I know God wants me to monitor. See, self-awareness is crucial to your spiritual journey. But the reality is, right, I wouldn't have made time to think about that, invite Christ, open my heart, invite him into that area of my life if I didn't slow down. And that's why the Bible actually doesn't suggest, it commands believers. In Psalm 46, it says this, Be still... And what? Know that I'm God. So according to God, when do we come to a knowledge of him? When do we come to a knowledge of the truth? When we're going Mach 3? No, when we are still, right? See, too often the speed of life keeps us from hearing the voice of God. That's another question you're going to answer in your workbook uh, this week. How well are you hearing God? Well, that's what I love about, by the way, the freeway workbook. It's like all visual. You just have to like mark an X, you know? And I wrote, you know, last week, 7.5. Last week, I experienced God in a huge way. Give some examples of that. How available are you? And I'm like, at this moment, you know, it's, it's four. That's because it was like Wednesday morning. I'm like chronically depressed. Uh, how, how hard is it to be still? I'm like, take some effort. You know, I'm a little ADHD, uh, and I'm like... Most days I, woke up, I wake up and want to dive right into things. I'm so blessed when I'm still before God to start the day, but not sure why I resist this. Why do I resist this? There are going to be questions that help unearth maybe what's going on underneath the hood of your car, where maybe there's a blinking light on your dashboard that you ignore. Have you ever had that? I have an old truck, and so like, there's always like, lights going off, and it's like, you know, check engine. I'm like, where is the wire to disconnect that light? That is very annoying, you know? I just like blow right past it, you know? It's a truth. So I want you this week to be answered. Don't rush through these questions. Take time to reflect and be honest because it's an invitation to pull back, to slow down, and let your loving father speak quietly to you about the state of your soul because the state of your soul really matters to God. Like God's not just like, okay, we got him saved. Now, just, he's on his own. Now, we'll get the next one. It's like God wants to slow down and form the character of Christ and the fruits of the Spirit in your life. But sometimes the speed of life prevents us from hearing his voice. Big idea about number one, about awareness. Second big idea is this. God gave you a gift, and it's called the Sabbath, to restore your soul. The Bible teaches that you and I are made actually in the image of God, and in the very beginning, God established a rhythm For life, right? From the very start, there's this rhythm God set of we kind of engage in work, then we retreat from work. First, we put forth effort, then we ease up. Effort, ease, effort, ease, every week. And God built this rhythm into the 10 commandments in Exodus 20. God actually commanded his people Israel, he said this, remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days a week, all right, are set apart for your daily duties, like whatever your regular work is. But the seventh day is a day of what? Rest. Dedicated to the Lord. On that day, no one in your household may do any kind of work. So that includes you, your sons and your daughters, your male and female servant, those of you with servants. Like what? (laughs) Uh, Your livestock, those of you with cows. Take it easy on them. For in six days, the Lord made the heavens, the earth, to see everything in them. So he's he's saying, look at your daddy. And then what did I do? I rested on the seventh day. So that's why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy or sacred. So from the very foundation of creation, your father says, hey, I'm going to set up kind of the rhythm of your work schedule, and I created six days where you leave it all out in the field, right? And he goes, that's what I did. I created the universe, you know, in six days. But then it became Friday, and God said, you know, TGIF, thank me, it's Friday, right? And then he took a day of rest that he called the Sabbath. And God said, here's the deal. You are my children, and I'm your father. And so for six days, you put it all out there, but on the seventh, I don't want you to do anything. I want you to cease your work and climb on up on the couch onto your daddy's lap and just let me love you. Just get up here. I have things to say to you. And if you could slow down and crawl up on my lap, I can... I can repair some of that stuff in your heart that gets stretched and torn during the week at work. Anybody have that at work? (laughs) You, like, lose your faith by Tuesday. You have that kind of job. Or your home life, you know, like, if you you got kids under five, it's like, I need the Holy Spirit more than ever. And God says, I want to replenish. I want to restore. I want to revitalize your soul because it leaks and it's fragile and it needs my healing every day seven days. For me, it's like every seven hours. But that's God's rhythm. He says that's how you're going to live. There's going to be this engagement and then retreat. You're going to put forth effort, then you're going to ease up. And it's this beautiful dance, right? It's a beautiful dance God invites us into. But let's be honest, some of of you don't dance to God's rhythm. You, You dance to Rihanna's rhythm. All we do is work, 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 right? You know that one, right? Don't make me dance people. You may, you, know, you may say, you're like, hey, what's the big deal about you know, working and resting? Why is it so serious with God? Here's the answer. When your life is out of balance, people in your life look worse, and problems look impossible to overcome. Have you ever seen this? When you are tired, families are harder to love and get along with. When you are exhausted, all of a sudden, escaping into secret sin just looks more inviting and appealing. When you're living outside this God-designed Rhythm, you don't have time for God. And in the hurried world, you don't slow down and reflect and become self-aware. And so God says, I'm going to mandate it in your life. I'm going to ask every follower of Christ to take a day for rest and reflection. And I'm going to give it as a gift to restore your soul. To reveal things about you that you'll never see if you're constantly in a hurry. Now, some of you are like, I don't know if I'm in a hurry or if I'm busy. I'm not sure, Tim. Tim. I want to make an important distinction. There is a difference between being busy and being in a hurry. And I get it. Like, busy is just like, we live in New Jersey. Like, I don't know anybody who's, like, not busy, right? It is the fall. I understand that. But I want to distinguish between busy and hurry in your life. And so I printed a little chart in your notes that I think might be helpful to you. It was to me. For example, busy means you have a full schedule in your life. You've got a lot of stuff to do. But hurry is when you're preoccupied. You actually can't be with people because you're thinking about all that you have to do. Busy is many activities, right? We all have, like, a full dance card in the fall, right? It's unavoidable, slam schedule. But hurried is that in the middle of the activities, you're actually unable to be fully present to the people you're with. You, you, know, you know what I mean? Like, have you ever been out to lunch with somebody, and, you know, and they're, you're, you're thinking, we're going to have this great conversation. They're, like, kind of like, uh, you know, they're only, like, half there. They're, like, glancing over your shoulder. They're, like, looking down their phone texting. And you're like, hey, I'm right here. You, you don't have to Snapchat me. I'm right here, Right? Busy is focused on the outward conditions, the stuff that's happening around you. But hurried is the inner condition of the soul where you just don't have room for God. Busy is physically demanding, but hurry is spiritually draining. See, there's nothing wrong with coming home from work and being like, man, I am tired. I am dog tired. But it's like a good tired. It's very different to come home and just be like, I am drained. If I see another person, I will strangle them. I have no emotional margin whatsoever. You know what I'm talking about? So understand, busy isn't necessarily bad as like hurry is because being busy can awaken you to your need for God, right? It actually says, I need God if I'm going to actually act Christ-like today. But hurry says, you know, I don't even. my life is spinning so fast, I don't have any time. I'm actually unavailable to God. So understand there's a big difference between being busy and hurried in your life. And I struggle with this. I'll just be honest, okay? But you know what's really helped me with my, the tension in my life between busy and hurry? It's really the example of Jesus himself. I mean, think about it. Jesus was a busy dude, right? Understatement of the year. Jesus is the son of God. He literally has the weight of the world on his shoulders. And he was busy, but I challenge you to find one place in the gospel where Jesus is hurried. You'll never find it. He was always present. He was always available to people. And he was surrounded by all these needs, right? There's one more person to heal. Somebody needs to be touched. Somebody needs to be loved. that's someone to pray for. But Jesus is never preoccupied. He is always calm and fully present to those around him. And the reason is because Jesus had a practice of regularly withdrawing for time alone with his father. Even after a busy day of ministry, in fact, before his day began, Jesus would withdraw. Look at this verse. I printed this in your notes. This is from Luke 5, and you'll see it all through the Gospels. It says, Jesus often withdrew, that's a retreat, to lonely places and prayed. In other words, he talked with the Father. One day, I, there's this one amazing, I was kind of looking at this through the Gospels this week, and there's this one instance where like, the crowds are pressing in, like, you know, the ministry's blowing up, he's healing all these people, and instead of being like, okay, you know, you know, start getting them in line, you know, we'll just kind of motor through this. He actually says, "That's enough." And he says, "Come on, guys!" And he gets in a boat and goes out on a lake to the other side. And if there are any men here like me, who for years have been trying to convince their wife that you need a boat and to live on a lake, this is your scriptural justification right here. Okay, this is the verse you want to write. Okay. In my own life, that example of Jesus has just like encouraged me because here's the truth. Like, in my, I don't know. Again, you have a different world at your work and your family, but for me, as a pastor in a church, like the size of liquid. There are life shattering emergencies every hour of every day of every week in this church. At any given moment, there are multiple people in the hospital. There are marriage breakdowns. There are families who have loved ones who are going to rehab or going to jail. There's an intervention. There are unexpected deaths. There are tragic accidents. There are like circumstances that are like heartbreaking. And so there are people who need God's comfort every single moment, but Jesus yeah, your Savior, made time for his soul, and he slowed down. In fact, look at the snapshot from the Gospel of Mark. It says, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up and did hot yoga. No, it says, he left the house and went off to a what? Solitary place where he prayed. Now, this is so funny. Simon Peter and his companions went to look for him. And when they found them, they exclaimed, Jesus, everyone's looking for you. Why aren't you returning our texts? I've been, you know, IMing you. Is your phone off? What's the matter? You know, why? If people are looking for you, you. Ever have that happen at your work? You know, you try to take like, you know, five minutes to eat your lunch by yourself. Or in, the, in, our, in my family, I'll just be honest, it happens. I go in the bathroom and it's like, daddy, where are you? Everyone's looking for you. I'm like, I know I'm hiding from them in here. That's why this is my, in other words, (laughs) that's a little too much information. I get that. (laughs) I can sense it. The disciples are like, Jesus, we want you available 24-7. But Jesus, who is the Son of God, says no to nonstop accessibility. And it's not that Jesus didn't love and care for his friends. It's because he understood hurry is an enemy to the Father's deeper work in your soul. So understand, as hurry decreases, awareness increases. You will never find freedom in your life until you slow down and ask God to make you more self-aware. Only when the hurry slows, do the blurry stuff in your life starts coming into focus, and you see the details where God's trying to get your attention and speak to you and say, hey, see that light on on the dashboard kind of blinking? Don't ignore that. That's what happened for me five years into our marriage, okay? So let me know this. When we launched this church, you know, about nine years ago, Colleen and I had two kids who were under the age of five, and I was running nonstop, 24-7. If you're an entrepreneur and you're starting a business, you get that, right? It's kind of like you love it, and it's draining, and it's awesome. It's exhilarating at the same time. And so I was running 24-7, and, uh, and Kyle was like, hey, you know, when things get launched, I need you home because I was out every night of the week on Saturdays working. And even when I was home, I was like, you know, checking my email and all that kind of stuff at the dinner table, not really present. And so I said, sure, absolutely, honey. Once we launch the church, then I'll, then I will be there for you. You know, then I'll be present. And then we launch the church, and then the worst possible thing happens. You guys show up, right? People show up. And now it's like, what are we going to do with them well, we got to get them in groups. Okay, well, honey, once we get them in groups, I swear, you know, I will be present to you. And then it was like, oh, my goodness, Christmas. we got to celebrate Jesus' birth. Uh, once we do Christmas services, then, I, you know, I just, self-delusion. I just kept kicking the can down the road. So I come home one day, and this was kind of my aha moment. I walk in the door, and I see Colleen sitting on the couch, and she has mascara coming down. She's crying. And I literally thought, like, something happened to the kids. I I was like, honey, is everything okay? And she just, like, you know, she just, she couldn't even speak. And so I rushed over. I put down my bag, and I sit next to her. I go, honey, what's the matter? What happened? She goes, "You, you love her more than me. And I was like, what? She says, you love her more than me. And I literally was, like, dumbfounded. I was like, love who more than, like, love her more than me? who are you talking about? Like, is she accusing me of an affair or something? And she goes, that stupid church. And somewhere in the distance, I heard a rooster crowing (laughs) because I had sworn I would never be that guy who sacrifices his family on the altar of ministry. And that was a shattering moment for me. Like just going back emotionally right now in my head, I'm like, That was looking into my wife's eyes and just realizing I'd not only been lying to her, I'd been lying to myself. And that was a long road back. That was five years into our marriage. And so we started doing marriage counseling, which I highly recommend to you. Some people, whenever I say, hey, have you ever considered marriage counseling? You're like, oh, dude, it's like $120 an hour. Here's my question. How much is your marriage worth? (sighs) So we did marriage counseling. I thought, you know, maybe maybe one session, two sessions, we'll fix this thing. Uh, It was a little longer process. And repentance is only when you actually take radical action, right? You can say you're sorry, but she's like, you've said sorry a million times. And so we took a radical, we took a machete to my calendar. We actually said, we're going we're to stop this insane rhythm, and I'm going to be out one night a week. And I'm going to start saying something very hard for me to say, which is no. <laughs> because there's all these great opportunities, you know, hey, come out He's speaking at different you know, places. And so we actually said, we said, there's going to be no outside speaking until our kids turn 10 years old. And then we'll revisit that. And we said, we're going to have a Sabbath for the first time in our life. And our Sabbath is not Sunday for us. Sunday is just NASCAR destroy day, right? It's just smashing into everything. I get that. But for us, the Sabbath became Friday. And it was so funny because I knew it was taking root when I went to pick up my son. And uh, and some mom comes up to me. She goes, oh, you're the rabbi, aren't you? I go, (laughs) like, what? (laughs) The rabbi? (laughs) Like, most people think I'm a priest. But a rabbi, I was like, that's a new one. And, uh, and then I realized why she said that. She goes, well, because your son, at 3 o'clock on Friday, I'd go pick him up. And the doors of the school would burst open. He'd be like, Daddy, it's the Sabbath. <laughs> and they're like, the rabbi. You know? And so he knows because <laughs> then we would have our 24 hours of non-liquid where we'd get in a boat and go fishing. And you know, if you've ever watched my Instagram feed, you know that's our deal, man. That's where like, be like Jesus, man. I'm like, son, he, he thinks he's going to be a pro-bass fisherman. I'm like, the disciples were just that. So you got a great future, and we go out on the lake, and that's a moment for us as a family, that injects sanity into this crazy thing we do called ministry. But that didn't start, That breakthrough, that awareness, Boop, God drops the scales from Pastor Tim's eyes, did not happen until I was willing to say, "Not, I'm busy." but God, I'm ready. That's the last big idea I want to leave you with. Freedom starts when you stop saying, I'm busy, and you begin saying, God, I'm ready. I am ready to look at my life for who I really am. God, I'm ready for you to reveal my blind spots. God, I'm ready to see myself for who I've become. Can I ask a dangerous question? Do you like who you're becoming? Do you like who you're becoming? Because early in my life, I had bandwidth for a few things, but we didn't. a great marriage really wasn't one of them. <laughs> but the reality is now, like 18 years later, our marriage has never been stronger. Colleen, this church wouldn't exist without my wife, Colleen. She's the love of my life. She's my best friend. I, you know, praise God for her. She's an incredible woman. But it didn't start out that way. And so this week, you may need to press in a little bit and pray a prayer of awareness like the one in Psalm 139 in the Old Testament. King David wrote this prayer for awareness. It's a very bold, very brave prayer. He said this, Search me, God, and know my heart. Can we read this together? Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Any Anybody have anxiety? <laughs> anybody have fear? Anybody, you know, you, you take a sleeping pill, but your mind is like still racing? Basically, David says to God, he's like, He's being chased by King Saul. There's a million things going on in his life. And he basically says, hey, God, I'm coming in. Can you pop my hood and take an inspection? You know? You ever take your car in for for a tune-up, and they test it, and they're like, hey, did you know that light's been blinking a while? And they pop the hood, and they typically attach it to a computer. And David's like, hey, you know, God, pop my hood. How are things going? Because I've been running very fast, and my check engine light is on. Can I ask, is there an area in your life that you need that kind of inspection? Search me. Know me. Test me where the light on the dashboard's been blinking, but you're going too fast to do anything about it. And yet, even now, even in this moment, God's Spirit is speaking to you, and you're becoming vaguely aware of what it is. I want to challenge you. This is your next step. Pray this prayer this week. Search me, God. Know me. Test me. You know my anxious thoughts. Maybe this is the moment this week, this fall, where God makes you aware that you're sacrificing your marriage for your career. Maybe this is the moment that God makes you aware that your screaming and yelling is destroying your kids, right? Maybe this is the moment that God makes you aware it's not your spouse's fault, but it's actually your own arrogance and pride. I know this is hard. Truth is hard to take when it's about yourself, and you will feel the urge to hit the gas and go faster so that you don't have to feel the pain or face the truth. But David says, no, 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 lean in. Pray the prayer of awareness. Search me, God, know me, test me, know my anxious thoughts. See if there is, this is how he finishes, any what? Offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Everlasting. So there's the way of slavery, then there's the freeway. And the on-ramp to God's freeway begins when you stop saying, I'm busy, and you start saying, God, I'm ready. You know everything about me. And God, I want you to tell me, what is making me idle so fast? What is contributing to all the noise in my life? Why are the RPMs just kind of out of control? What am I chasing? What am I running from, God? Why is my body falling apart, (laughs) you know? Why can't I sleep at night? Why is my mind always racing? Why do I always overschedule my kids? This happens every single fall, and I'm like, never again, and here we are. Why am I such a perfectionist? God, why do I work so hard to be accepted by others when I am already accepted by you? God, reveal my blind spots and let me see what you see, as much truth as I can bear. And God, do whatever it takes on the inside of me to make me the godly man or woman you created me to be. Remember, freedom starts when you stop saying, I'm busy, and you actually begin saying, God, I'm ready. And this is the good news of the gospel. That's what this whole series is about, guys. It's about inviting God's spirit into a deeper place of your heart where his Holy Spirit can do his healing work. I want you to remember this over the next six weeks. For some of you, just heads up, things may get a little worse, a little more chaotic before you experience peace and freedom, okay? Okay. But in the end, I believe that's where it's going to lead, to freedom. Because here's the truth. Who you were yesterday doesn't determine who you can be tomorrow. Amen? The Father created you in his image. Jesus loves you, gave his life for you. And the Holy Spirit can change you into who God called you to be. So i want to close by praying for you in all of our groups this week. So would you bow your heads, just all of our campuses. Quiet moment of reflection. Let's just be still for a moment. Father, we're coming to you. We invite the Holy Spirit now to come. Confirm, Lord, the truth that you've been whispering to your children. God, may they any words that have been spoken that have been from you, Lord, just let them glow right now in our hearts. Let us not look away, but see them. And any words that are not from you, let them just fall to the ground not to be remembered again. with all heads bowed, we're praying, Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. So with your heads bowed, we're praying, let's just have an honest moment. Is there anybody here who's weary? <laughs> you're tired, you're worn out. You need God to restore your soul. If that describes you, would you just Just be brave enough to lift your hand right now, again, just so I can see you. Yeah, not surprised. Hands up all over the place. You need rest today. Put your hands down. Jesus, thank you for this invitation to come to you now. In the middle of our weariness and our heavy burdens, we ask for your rest. Jesus says we all need rest for our souls. We need the kind of rest that doesn't come from a two-hour nap or a two-week vacation, we are tired and away, Jesus, that only you can restore and heal. So come now. Father, I pray this week that we will slow down enough to hear your voice in Jesus, that you would step in to carry our burdens and reveal our blind spots. God, we invite you to shine your light of truth in the dark spots of blindness in our lives. Give us courage to slow down so we can become more aware of what you are doing in our life and who you are. And Holy Spirit, would you just give us a spirit of courage and honesty in our small groups this week? Let us be gentle and kind with each other's hearts, giving the grace to each other that we know we need ourselves. Jesus, we love you. We can't wait to see what you're going to do in our lives this fall. It's in your name we pray, everyone set together.